Good evening, everybody. Um, please join me in prayer. Dear loving God, thank you so much for this living room where we can gather together this evening to just um, dwell in your spirit with one another and to learn from what you have to share with us. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart may be pleasing to you and that above all, your truth may radiate to all of us here. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, I open my classes with prayer too. Um, and while most students most often uh, request prayer about their games and upcoming tests, um, sometimes they share harder ones too. Um, they'll share about ailing parents, um, some significantly struggling friends, and su those suffering in the news. Uh, national news is um, often really overwhelming for them. Me too. Last week in particular, these past couple of weeks, there were days when I laid my head back and closed my eyes and took a couple of deep breaths before praying at the start of class because uh, the news was really quite challenging. It was a lot. Um, and increasingly often, I find that my students become cynical um, and desensitize in response to the news that they read about and hear. Um, they throw their hands up in the air, literally, sometimes, and they declare that the world is broken and horrible things happen all the time. Uh, what can we possibly do about it, they ask. I wonder if you've asked that question recently, too. Um, I wonder if you've also, like my students and myself sometimes, right, have felt powerless in the face of such big and overwhelming problems, whether they're personal or from the news. I mean, I, I certainly have. Thankfully, though, we have good news today and every day. Jesus does not call us to be saviors of the world. Thankfully, that's his job. <laughs> he invites us to be fully present for others in simple acts of love and care. And because Jesus is the best teacher, he models it for us across his entire life and in today's gospel passage in particular. Um, so please join me in opening your Bibles um, to John 13, where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Even before Jesus rises from supper to wash his disciples' feet, the writer reminds us that this act of service and love is not singular. Jesus has loved people during his entire life. And the act he's about to do is in full knowledge of the betrayal and crucifixion that are to come. Jesus has the full context of the past and the future that informs his present, and he is not overwhelmed by it. Verse 1 begins, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. So let's examine his precise actions in these two verses, four and five. First, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. 
He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Every one of these actions is an intentional one of becoming more and more present to his disciples. First, he rose from supper. Jesus separates himself from the meal to enter into this act of service, and refreshingly for us, he is not multitasking. I mean, how often, right? Even when we're trying to be present for someone else, are we multitasking? Maybe we're washing dishes or typing a quick email uh, while trying to be present for a friend in need over the phone. Maybe your eyes flick over to that phone or smartwatch um, while sitting with a friend who's right in front of us sharing from their heart. Often it's really just in our heads even. Even while caring for someone in need, We run through our to-do list for the rest of the day or try to solve a work problem in the back of our minds in that moment. And we know better, right? We notice when we're on the receiving end whether or not we have that other person's full attention. We can tell by their eyes, their voice, their posture. And whether it's in person or a video chat over the phone, we can always tell. And the kids, You especially know what I'm talking about, right? Like when you have the adult's full attention or not, this message is just as much for you as it is for the adults in the room because Jesus speaks to all of us. To further this point, Jesus laid aside his outer garments. Now Jesus settled into this moment. He's here to stay with his disciples, with us. And he lays aside his status as their teacher and Lord to take on a servant posture. And taking a towel, he ties it around his waist. And here, Jesus is physically embodied in the act. He is tethered to the moment. So physical commitment continues to be important, and he's prepared to follow through. He's not just going to wash their feet. He's going to dry them too. And he pours water into a basin. Jesus prepared what's necessary, and it's simple and not overly complicated. How often do we overcomplicate things to the point of exhausting ourselves, even just up here, even before we start, right? I mean, when Jesus is washing his disciples' feet, there's no potions and lotions and some like elaborate rituals involved in this foot washing. It's just what's needed for the task at hand. So let's also not overcomplicate love and care. And he began to wash the disciples' feet. Right, and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around in verse 5. And we know how gnarly seed can be, right? I mean, especially in the hot, dusty climate of Jesus' context. Sandals are open. It's hot and sweaty. There's animal dung here and there. No one's getting pedicures, you know. And it's just, <laughs> it can be really gnarly. And such dirty work was reserved for servant women in Jesus' time. So why would their teacher, their Lord, no less, humiliate himself? to do such a thing when there are other people that can, can do it instead. And Peter's very uncomfortable with this, this reversal of hierarchies. He says, oh, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answers him, well, if I don't wash you, Peter, you have no share with me. Verse 8. Mm, so being able to receive love and care seems just as important as giving it here. In fact. Jesus washes the very part of the disciples 
that also makes them be fully present, which is interesting to me. They cannot be on the move, literally, when he's washing their feet, right? They must be still and present to fully receive. And how often do we balk at the prospect of receiving care from someone else, right? We say, oh, it's okay, I've got it. Oh, don't worry about me. <laughs> um, you know, we don't want to be like needy or weak or a burden to people. And regardless of how much we're struggling, we kind of resist that. And, and sometimes we say these things while actually still wishing people would reach out to us anyway. You know? um, and so we overcomplicate it on the receiving end too. And so instead of receiving Jesus' simple gift for him, he attempts to control Jesus, Jesus instead. He's like, okay, fine. Um, not my feet, but also my hands and my head, right? Verse nine. So he only takes a service on his terms here. Peter turns a simple act into a bigger thing. Wash all of me, right? Um, Overcomplicating uh, over it some more. And Jesus continues to teach, right? Continues to tell Peter and us in turn. Verse 10, he says, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. Our acts of care for others don't need to solve the big capital B problem, capital P. If someone in our life is struggling, Jesus does not call us to solve the problem for them as much as we may want to. And that's hard. We're not the saviors. Christ is, thankfully. Sometimes we just need to wash their feet, you know? After Jesus finished washing every one of his disciples' feet, even Judas's, right? who Jesus knew would betray him, as he said in verse 11, he literally said, not all of you are clean, right? Jesus gives them and in turn us as his followers an explicit instruction in verses 14 to 15. And this is what he says. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Jesus calls us to be fully present with one another in simple acts of love and care, even to those who may not be clean, right? And it doesn't have to be complicated. We may worry that without Jesus right here to remind us, we'll forget this teaching. We worry that we'll mess things up. And sometimes we wonder it's, if it's even worth trying, you know, to care for others when there's so much hurt in the world, like my students were lamenting. Later in the next chapter, Jesus assures his disciples and us, verses 25 through 27. He says, okay, all this I've spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So let's have faith in the Holy Spirit and listen. The Spirit makes it clear to us when we pay attention, when we need to step in and extend love and care to somebody, right? And there's peace in that promise. So rather than hustling all the time, as we tend to do from one thing to the next and multitasking relationships and feeling just so alone all the time, 
Jesus models for us the embodied simplicity and power of being fully present to wash others' feet and to be washed ourselves. So now let's reflect more intentionally on how to apply this to our lives right now, right? So I invite you to close your eyes and visualize a person in your life that can use some love and care, you know? Like truly visualize their face and their body as they're struggling. What does this person need from you? And in what ways have you been overcomplicating the prospect of caring for this person? And in what ways have you put yourself in the savior position when Jesus never asked you to? And you can just release that. Returning to the gospel reading, how can we be like Jesus and rise from supper to commit our full attention to the person we're caring for? Well, let's stop multitasking our relationship. You know, I mean, if we tend to open our laptop while chatting with our friends over the phone, let's just go on a walk instead, right? Just separate ourselves from that device. If we tend to run through our to-do lists in the back of our minds while listening to someone share, maybe we need to take some time ahead of time, sit down with a piece of paper, just hash it out, get it out of our system so it's not an open tab when we're with that person, you know? How can we be like Jesus and lay aside any status markers and take on a servant posture instead? Here, I think it's important for us to acknowledge the power dynamics at play in our relationships and humble ourselves. If we're on the higher position, you know, whether as a boss, instructor, parent, or upperclassman at school, right, we can reverse the social norm of basking in uh, having paid our dues, you know, (laughs) Um, and proactively instead make those under us feel appreciated and important. On the flip side, when we're lower on the social ladder, it's also valuable to see those above us as human, right, and just as much in need of care and love as anyone else. Now, how can we be like Jesus and tie a towel around our waist to be physically prepared to care fully for someone? Maybe we evaluate our schedules and create intentionally more open spaces in our time rather than cramming it in with so many things to get done so that we can actually be flexible to step in and care when someone needs us. How can we be like Jesus and pour water in a basin and not overcomplicate what caring for someone entails? Well, we can, um, we can identify what's actually essential in caring for that person and eliminate the rest. Just release that, you know, just keep it simple. Give them a listening ear. Make them a hot meal. Just embrace them. Tight. You know, that, that embrace that just makes you know that they're there for you. And that was the foot washing itself, of course. And this can actually go two ways for us. On the one hand, we just have to get our hands dirty and wash the feet, (laughs) you know? It can feel really awkward sometimes to just get up in there and do it. Um, But let's just go and do it like Jesus does. Let's just love on this person that we have in our minds right now. And perhaps separately or simultaneously, maybe Jesus today is convicting us to receive care and love from other people. 
Is Jesus nudging you to take a seat and allow your feet to be washed without overthinking it? I mean, if so, take a seat, my friend, and just receive that grace. The good news is that we're not people's saviors. Christ is. And so we don't really need to be overwhelmed by these big problems. And we are not powerless in the face of them. There is real loving power in both washing others' feet and allowing ours to be washed. It's powerful to be fully present with someone, and you know what I mean by that. It can transform a season of pain, such as what was to comfort Jesus on the cross, into a resonant experience of grace, embodied. And we know, as Jesus did that evening, that God was going to turn all pain into rejoicing on Easter morning. And later in this chapter, Jesus commands his disciples, verses 34 to 35, to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. People, the people in our very lives will be pointed to Christ, the Savior, through our love for one another. That's awesome, don't you think? <laughs> So let's give and receive love. Amen? Amen.